Blog Talk Radio. Scott.com. I'm joined as always by Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine back in our studios, and we will be joined in about 30 minutes or so by Drew B. Armand of 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville. So we got Huntsville, Hoover, and Mobile all represented, and uh, we'll be hearing from a man who is originally from Miami in about nine minutes, John Garcia of Scott.com and BamaMag.com. My partner in crime will be coming on to talk about not one, but two new commitments for the University of Alabama today, including linebacker Riley Cole of Aniana, Alabama, a three-star outside linebacker, as well as one of the top place kickers in the country from a, uh, well, they say it's a junior college, but it was a, a first-year junior college uh, that uh, they didn't count last year against him because he didn't play. So apparently if he enrolled in January, he'll have uh, four years to play four. And that's that's a pretty good, that's really almost unheard of for a junior college player. I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce the young man's name, but uh, we'll get, we'll let, now John is from Miami and he's known the guy for several weeks at least, maybe, maybe more. So we will let John, but uh, Eddie, I guess it's P- Pinero or Pinero. We'll let John uh, clarify that. But uh, Eddie is an extremely good kicker that has made him in practice from uh, 65 and more. So uh, if he decides to enroll in January as he's considering, he will uh, push Adam Griffith uh, in what will be Adam's senior year two years from now. But uh, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. He hasn't 100% decided yet when he's going to enroll. Auburn also got two commitments today, including Malik Miller, the fullback from Madison Academy. That was not a surprise. Drew, who is from that area of the world, will have more on that, as well as the other commitment as well. We will ask John about that. And the Alabama basketball team is scheduling a home-and-home against the University of Oregon Ducks. That's pretty exciting for fans. We'll talk more about that later. And the baseball draft was... uh, Pretty hard on Alabama. We're not sure who all's going and who all's staying, but we know that the first-round pick, uh, Mike McCoriak, uh, with a 97-mile-an-hour fastball, is history. He'll never set foot in Tuscaloosa. We know that junior shortstop Mikey White uh, is done because he went in the third round, and we're pretty sure that Casey Houston is done as well. So those three for sure. And then some others, they'll have decisions to make because they were taken in the 14th round or later, and that list includes Pitcher Will Carter, who we're pretty sure is gone. 
uh, catcher infielder Kyle Overstreet, who has a decision to make. I don't think he's made a 100% decision. And then uh, outfielder Georgie Salem, uh, whose mom, Paige Hockman, is a friend of this show. They are uh, in, I guess you would call it negotiations, with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Georgie went uh, later in the draft, but uh, they're still offering a signing bonus. I don't know the number. He'll have a decision to make. Uh, hopefully, the lure of the new stadium will be something that some of these guys will consider, as opposed to an 18-hour bus ride in the minors. But much depends on the signing bonus that's offered each young man, and I just do not know those figures off the top of my head. Um, we are going to cut the show about half an hour short tonight because we know that you, like us, would like to have the opportunity to watch the NBA Finals where Cleveland has a 2-1 to lead over Golden State. The games have been extremely competitive and fun to watch, and this game tonight is probably not going to be any different. So we're going to just do a 90-minute band tonight for those of you listening live. Um, so we'll be joined in hour number two by Colin Big C. McGuire, who has a very interesting recruiting question he wants to pose to Drew. And I can just tell you all, if you'll hang around for about 8.15, that the answer that Drew gives is probably going to be gold. Uh, the only hint I'll give you is that it concerns a certain linebacker from Montgomery and uh, his relationship with Auburn and Alabama. But it should be a golden question and a golden answer about uh, about that, that topic. And I, I know Drew will have a very interesting response. And uh, we're also going to get Drew's input from uh, – you know, what he thinks is going to happen in the draft once he joins us. He should be here uh, at about 7.30. And like I said, in, in about five minutes, we'll be joined by John Garcia of scott.com and battlemag.com. So, Thomas Watts, how are you doing tonight, sir? Hoping the Warriors can pull out game four and uh, ready for the weekend already. <laughs> oh, what are your plans? A friend of mine just got married, and I'm throwing, uh, with a friend of mine, we're throwing the new married couple a little party as a celebration. So I've been busy planning that. Nice. Okay. Astonishingly, yeah. I am a nice person, you know, only on days that end in Y. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I can vouch for that. You were uh, an outstanding roommate that you were a little year, So I'll vouch for that. And you took care of your arrangements, too. So you're the man. Well, I appreciate it. This year, we might want to plan for New Year's Eve in Atlanta, Thomas. I know. It'll be a longer drive for you and a shorter drive for me. So I, I guess these things kind of even out. But, uh, I, you know, I, I just don't uh, – I, I can't get too fired up about Alabama doing much better than the Peach Bowl unless something drastically changes the quarterback. That being said, I mean, I didn't know how they do AJ's first year, and they did fine. I didn't know how they do Greg McElroy's first year, and they did fine. So – Maybe uh, the, the coaching magic of, of Lane Tiffin will be able to transform either Jacob Coker or David Cornwell, or the case may be, uh, into a serviceable game manager quarterback, which we will need to have a shot at doing anything better than the people. But the odd thing about it is, in the long history of that game, and it started back in the 60s, late 60s, Alabama has never played in the Peach Bowl. Alabama has played in pre uh, opening season games that were sponsored by the Peach Bowl Committee uh, and the good folks at Chick-fil-A, and we've uh, devoured our share of press box sandwiches, but never the actual Peach Bowl. So 
I don't know. I, I don't want to, people get mad at you if you predict anything but a national championship for Alabama. But you know, Alabama's got an alumni on the Peach Bowl committee, uh, a gentleman named Rod Hobatter, who's a friend of mine. And I know for many, 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 many years they've won Alabama. Uh, and there were years where Alabama didn't win quite enough, or Alabama won too many. But this might be the year, Thomas, that Alabama wins just the amount of games the Peach Bowl needs, which would be about nine or ten. Well, I had uh, I had a little radio appearance on a radio station out of Memphis this week, and they actually asked me what I thought about the season. And I said that ten and two is a very real possibility, but I did I did much like you said. I'm hopeful that it's more than that, but without a quarterback, it's so hard, given how the schedule sets up, to really see Alabama going on another playoff run i have i know you have but you've se- just to make sure you've seen the uh the, the schedule this year just out of this world yeah it's unbelievable i i don't know who in america has a tougher schedule in alabama Tom. I well, I phil Steele said it was the toughest well i usually agree with phil i mean i i didn't agree with 100 of his all-conference picks and all that but when it comes to picking games themselves and records themselves he's got a pretty astronomical record I mean, I just, if you told me, if you you told me that from Saturday, October the 3rd until Saturday, November the 14th, Alabama was going to play six teams and have an open date, and of those six, probably five of them at the low end are going to be ranked when they come, when they either, when Alabama goes to play them or they come to play us, I'd look at you like you were insane. And that's absolutely what Alabama's schedule sets up to be. Uh, just for fans that haven't seen it, the meat of Alabama's schedule is as follows. At Georgia, Arkansas comes to Bryant-Denny. At Texas A&M, Tennessee comes to Bryant-Denny. Alabama has an open date. Then LSU comes to Bryant-Denny. And then Alabama travels to Mississippi State in the span of seven weeks. That is that is a schedule and a half right there. And I don't think there's a, a, a team in the country that can get through that schedule unscathed. I, I, I'm just going to put that out there. Oh, I, I agree. And, you know, if I were picking and they said, Kerry, your team's going to go 10-2 and two this year and they're going to make their first ever Peach Bowl appearance, my only request is that the two don't include Auburn or Tennessee. Uh, I would take some family ribbing. If we lost at Georgia, but I could live with it. And, you know, A&M's a snake pit. Uh, we had to play the offensive game of our lives to win there two years ago. Uh, I was at know, that game. Holy cow. I bet it was loud. It was loud, and it was about 105 degrees. Oh, yeah. A degree for every thousand people there or Basically. more. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's how, that's how, you, uh, how you, could, you could break it down. But, yeah. It's just the Peach Bowl just sounds right. Like, I, I, you know, we say this every year, but if Alabama by some miracle makes it to the college football playoff with this schedule, I, I mean, they've overachieved. I'm sorry. There's just I know it's Alabama saying that, but that's to me an overachievement. Barring, you know, everybody the week before they play Alabama, a major player goes down with a season-ending injury. But just unbelievable. But I think Alabama's going to have a great defense this year. I think the areas that needed shoring up are going to get shored up. There's just too much of a question mark at quarterback. And, and quite frankly, from an injury perspective, and a, a, a nagging injury perspective, 
there's still a, a serious question mark at Flex Kicker as well. That is so true. Those are two key positions when you're trying to make a playoff run. And uh, look, I'm not saying they're going to go 10-2, but I'm saying that what Thomas told, I assume Jeff Weinberger on Memphis Radio. I yep. that too, so yeah, that's who it was. Yeah, he used to call me too. You know, I said something funny about Jeff Thomas. Uh, back in the day when we didn't have internet and talk radio, thought they were too cool to talk recruiting, people like Weinberger operated 900 numbers that people would actually call. I remember him being the first one. Now, he didn't get many right. But I remember him being the first one to correctly call Dwayne Rudd to Alabama instead of Tennessee. He nailed it. And uh, that was the 80s. So, wow. I'm sorry. It was, um, let me take that back. It was very early 90s. But he nailed it. And uh, at this point, though, we are going to go ahead and bring on our first and maybe only guest of the evening, unless Big C calls us next hour. He's more of a caller than a guest. But this gentleman here, I'll tell you what, he's been busy. He has been busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest and more active than a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Welcome in, John Garcia of Scout.com and BattleMag.com. You, my friend, have had a busy week and a busy day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just got a little busier about uh, 90 minutes ago, Bama getting its second commitment of the day. Both of both of the commitments today, commitments coming as soon as offers were extended. So, somewhat surprising to some degree. But when you when you look at the kid in each situation, it makes a lot of sense. Of course, the first being Eddie Pinero, big time kicker. I, I spoke to another so- uh, source at Alabama today, who reaffirmed what we had said since Saturday when he kicked for Nick Saban and Bobby Williams and everyone else, they said they've never seen a leg like this. The kid booted a 65-yard field goal on his first field goal attempt on Saturday, and his first kickoff attempt from the 35 went through the upright. So that pretty much tells you all you need to know about Alabama's newest kicker commitment. And then, as we mentioned, 90 minutes ago, Riley Cole, an in-state linebacker from Oneonta High School, commits to Alabama. He had been heating up this spring Athletic kid doing really well at camps. He was the MVP of the Nike opening in Atlanta in March. He had since added offers from South Alabama, camped at Wake last week, picked up that offer, camped at Alabama as well after reevaluation and a return visit on Tuesday. He was extended an offer today, and he committed on the spot as well. That one making a little more sense in terms of from the recruits' perspective. This kid has grown up an Alabama fan, has been to campus dozens of times and three times this spring. He was going to return to camp again to try to further that possibility of an offer. So this kid has wanted it for some time. He finally got it and obviously pulled the trigger immediately. And for those of you listening, uh, Wiley Cole plays for former Alabama quarterback Don Jacobs at Aniana. Uh, Don was the backup uh, and played a whole lot because Coach Bryant normally played more than one quarterback on the 79 national championship team, and he was the starter on the 1980 team that went 10-2, uh, so that good year just didn't really compete for the National Championship. They lost, lost the game and start on a fumble box. Coach Jacobs on the goal line, but we don't want to talk about that. But, uh, you know, I hate to be that guy, John, that asks you to compare every Caucasian linebacker to each other, but is because I have not seen film on Wally Cole, I, I know next to nothing about him, is his skill set at all similar to that of Keith Holcomb? 
Yeah, I mean, if you're going the Caucasian comparison route, he's closer to Keith Holcomb than Keaton Anderson. So those are guys that have signed in the last couple of years from within state lines. Holcomb, a little bigger, um, a little more classic linebacker looking than Keaton Anderson, who's getting a lot of publicity as a potential safety down the road because of how athletic he is. I think Cole is closer to Holcomb. That's that's not a knock on any of the guys. All three, very athletic. All three in that can-he-play-safety conversation, including Riley Cole, 6'3", 215 the last time he was measured. So he's got a good frame that can be worked upon, obviously. But I'm told it's going to be linebacker all the way for Riley Cole. So you expect him to bulk up before he gets to Tuscaloosa. Play weak side. He has the ability to play in passing situations. Physical kid. Runs really well. Um, but my favorite thing about him is his feel. The kid has a nose for the football. He sort of slithers offensive linemen that are pulling out to try to get to the second level. Uh, and he's pretty aggressive upon contact as well. So versatility, physical, runs well, um, which are all things that you want in a linebacker. So a big pickup for Alabama. And this is a high-character kid who's not going to pull any punches on the recruiting trail or otherwise. So a safe pickup, an in-state pickup, which is always good, good for perception and good for getting into that area. Aniana, as you mentioned, led by a former Alabama quarterback and a program that always has good coaching. So it produces very fundamental athletes. Uh, and then you couple that with his athleticism, and you get a pretty good football player. And it's not a huge surprise that he's ascended this spring. I wouldn't have bet that he would ascend all the way basically to the top to pick up that Alabama offer. But all the reviews from people who have seen him this spring have been extremely high, and they've only gotten better and better. So it makes sense when you look back at it that he did ascend all the way to the top and had, you know, the offer he's wanted for a long time. That's always a good story when an in-state kid earns an offer. It's it's a lot tougher these days with the saving staff for an in-state kid to, to get an offer. And obviously when they get it, they're going to jump on it. So I'm happy for Wally Cole and his family, uh, Hey, man, best of, best of wishes to him and, and roll tie to him. John, we had last week on our show, we, we kind of tried to guess who the quarterback of the class would be, and we all sort of thought it might be Juwan Taft, but all of a sudden Alabama gets a commitment from uh, Texas. Uh, I don't want to call him athlete because he is a quarterback, but tell us a little bit about Jalen Hurts and what he brings to the table for the Crimson Tide. A lot to like about Jalen Hurts. I mean, almost everything to like about Jalen Hurts. Let's start with his background. He's the son of a coach, so that checks off one box. Obviously, you know he's going to be prepared to play every single day, prepared to practice, you know, very structured type kid. So that's good. Played for his father's high school team, Channel View High School in Texas. So you know the competition is good. And like you said, the, if we're going on the look test, just like we did, or just like some will do, with Riley Cole, you see a Caucasian linebacker, and you automatically throw in the high motor you know, term. You throw in, you know, he's a smart kid, tough kid. You, you debunk that with his athleticism um, and his ceiling because he has that frame to grow. And I think it's the same with Jalen Hurts, African-American with dreads from Texas, dual threat, running a spread. You say, oh, this guy's pure athlete, run first type of thing, da da da. And no, that's not the case. While he can run and is a very capable runner, he's not one of these four four type guys that's gonna go eighty yards on him. He's a more crafty runner uh than anything. But he's a throw first guy all the way, not even close. And so is Jawan Pass, by the way, another quarterback in the conversation with Alabama before and, and seemingly continuing uh with the Crimson Tide. This kid, Jalen Hurts, thrower all the way, quick, compact delivery, 
accurate in the pocket, 6'2", 200 pounds or so, so he's got a decent frame on him. And, again, he checks all the boxes. Being a head coach's son, studying the game, he's an Elite 11 semifinalist. Uh, the kid wants to graduate early, enroll early. Um, so he kind of has everything Alabama's been looking for in sort of this new direction at quarterback, a guy who's more athletic, who can still get the job done in that sort of short-term passing scenario, but also has a big enough arm to get it down the field. And he runs an offense very similar to what Blake Barnett did as a high school senior. So you're seeing a big trend for Lane Kiffin, and obviously Hurts embodies that. He's actually on campus for the first time as a commitment as we speak. And that's interesting because Auburn has already taken Woody Barrett, and it seemed like when Auburn took Woody Barrett, that sort of ended their relationship with Juwan Pass, who's out of nearby Columbus, Georgia, nearby to Auburn, that is. But Juwan Pass is a former teammate of Makai Pfeiffer, who will be a freshman and who's already enrolled at Alabama. And apparently uh, Juwan still plans to visit Alabama in the near future. So, John, is there a scenario where the Todd might take two quarterbacks in the 16th class? I think the recruiting board has changed for a lot of programs with Pass still on the board. I think some of the quarterback dominoes maybe fell sooner than schools like Alabama and Auburn had anticipated. So that two-quarterback conversation is going on in Alabama. It's going on at Auburn. I actually confirmed to my best source over there that he is a take for sure at Auburn right now. So a return visit would make a lot of sense there. But he's actually on a tour with a bunch of his teammates going through a bunch of schools. I think like Indiana, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, sort of a a Midwest to East Coast kind of swing uh, that actually began at Alabama on Monday. So Pass was on campus Monday, business from Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban. He, they got the direct details on what the plan could be going forward. And, and the most important thing, in my opinion, coming out of the visit is that Pass maintains his commitment date of July 13th. So just after he participates at the opening and the Elite 11 finals, which he is a qualifier for, he's going to be making that commitment. So these visits in between are critical. Obviously, the recruiting boards for the school involved are critical. He's got a top five, and all five of the, or excuse me, four of the five schools already have a quarterback committed. So clearly, he needs to know which schools are looking to for sure take a second quarterback. And my sources indicate that it was a quarterback versus kicker scenario for Alabama. And obviously, ironic enough, today Bama gets the kicker. So my thinking, if I had to peg it right now, would be that since Bama took the kicker, they're maybe not looking to take the quarterback at least early on. Everything is good with Jalen Hurts. As you mentioned, Kerry, he just committed last week. Uh, Actually, a week ago today on Thursday, he committed to Alabama. So everything is seemingly good at the quarterback position. The only scenario, again, if if my gut is right, saying it was kicker versus quarterback for the proverbial final spot, the only scenario where I could see Alabama changing what it thought would be to potentially upgrade at the position. Personally, I, I, I don't think pass over Hurts is an upgrade. I think they're very similar, actually. They're both pass-first guys, both full-threat guys. Pass has sort of more of that quarterback frame, 65 or so, 210 pounds. But I think um, Hurts is actually further along in his development than pass is. So it becomes a question of, you know, do you want somebody to play in the next year or two or do you want somebody for four years down the road? Obviously, with the fluctuation at Alabama's quarterback position, you can't plan for down the road at this point, in my opinion. So based on all that, plus taking the kicker, it tells me that Hurts is probably the guy and probably the only guy 
Um, but again, pass is still in it. Alabama does continue to recruit him, so it's going to be quite the scenario to keep an eye on. It's really something we haven't seen over the last couple of cycles, not only with Alabama potentially passing on an elite kid, no pun intended, but passing on a you know, maybe future first-round draft pick type of kid. That's how in love some people are with his game. So it's going to be quite the story going forward. I have asked you, John, more times than I care to admit in the last year about two positions that seem to be really tough to fill. We're going to take them one at a time because just today our, our cohort, uh, Chad Simmons, posted a story that Alabama might be on the verge of getting a commitment from an inline tight end at long last. Go ahead and elaborate on that, that information. Yeah, I mean, it looks like if you're looking for that second tight end commitment to pair with Brendan Scales, who's, of course, the number one tight end in Missouri and a current three-star on scout, also a shot put a state finalist, by the way, it's going to come from the state of Georgia, it looks like at this point. Two guys to keep an eye on. Charlie Warner, who's been a top 100 guy for a very long time, a guy that every school has identified as a, a baller in every sense of the word for a very long time. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, Miller Forrest ball former quarterback, just moved about a year ago, long, lean, but obviously understands assignment football, understands that he needs to be a true tight end, inline blocker. Uh, he's still 6'5", you know, 215 pounds, so he's got that long and lean frame. Coaches compared him to O.J. Howard and how he looks at this point in his development. But again, recently converted quarterback, so you expect the pounds to easily get going with this Miller Forstall kid. The difference between the two is that Warner – completely taking his time. As we mentioned, big-time target for a lot of schools for a long time, including Alabama. However, Miller Forrestal, looking to make a decision very soon, possibly before we get to July 1st. So, since between now and then, it's Georgia. Georgia's the in-state school. Georgia has not yet offered, but he's going to camp at Georgia. So, basically, if the dogs offer, two-horse race, dogs and pot, and we'll see what happens. If they don't offer, you can almost book him in to Alabama's class as the second and final tight end it will look to take in this 2016 cycle. So the next couple of weeks, very interesting at many positions and specifically at tight end because it's, it's a pretty skeleton scenario. A, you know, A plus B equals C kind of thing. Uh, so if Forrestal gets that Georgia offer, it could be a 50-50 coin flip. Or if he doesn't, I think Alabama fans should expect to add another prospect to the commitment list and what has become an extremely hot couple of weeks for the time. And part two is the other position that I always ask you about is a, a true left tackle, someone who can be groomed to replace Cam Robinson. I'm not 100% sure that, that Charles Baldwin is that guy. He seems more of a right tackle to me, but I'd like to hear your feedback on Charles Baldwin. Would you coach it all about a guy? I think the beauty of it, Kerry, is the timing. So you get a junior college guy, so obviously a little more mature, a little more wear on the tires in a good way, a little more experience, uh, and obviously a guy who's already played at a high level. I mean, State College, you know, one of the top ten or so junior colleges in the country at producing, you know, D1 talent. So you got that going for you. But get this, once he gets to Alabama, Cam Robinson still has two more years. So that's a positive for Charles Baldwin's potential development. Secondly, nothing says he can't play right tackle and then shift over to left tackle if everything does work out. So that's another positive. Baldwin graduating in December, so he'll be enrolled in January. Another positive. 
And in terms of athleticism, they're actually kind of close. Baldwin, a little less developed. I mean, Cam Robinson was as polished a finisher as you can have at the high school level. This kid has adjusted to pass blocking like I've never seen before. Baldwin, um, multiple offense up at ASA, so he's already been pass blocking for some time now. Did so very well at the high school level in Connecticut, though, of course, he was under-recruited there. I had some grade issues, so he had to go JUCO. So I think with the development, with the two years potentially in between now and when somebody would actually need to consistently play left tackle, I think Baldwin could be the guy. He's got the frame, 6'6", 310 pounds. He's got the athleticism, and by the time he needs to, he'll have enough time to truly settle into being an SEC type of prospect. Uh, his coach thinks he's an NFL guy, and his coach has coached several NFL guys as well. Um, so all the indications that he has all the potential to be that true replacement. So obviously the scenario would have to be a redshirt, though. That's the kicker here because he's got three years to play, too. So you have to assume Cam Robinson plays these next two years, goes to the NFL, Baldwin redshirts his first year, maybe plays him right or backs up Cam that second year and then has that redshirt senior season to play left tackle. So in theory, he could be the guy to replace him, but obviously he'd only be able to do it for one year. So it's going to be interesting. That's why Alabama is going to continue to recruit left tackles pretty much left and right. I mean, they had the number one guy in the country on campus this week in Greg Little, currently committed to Texas A&M. Juwan Williams is another big name. Willie Allen, another big name. These guys, will be recruited by the Tide all the way through the process, and the Tide should land at least one or two of them. And there are also one or two other JUCO tackles still in play for the bank, correct? Right. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Bowles, who was committed to BYU, recently decommitted and Tate Levitt. Uh, it, it does seem like Bowles is a little more interested, in, or I should say, it should say Bowles is a little more in play at this point compared to Levitt. It seems like I was talking to Levitt a little bit. He says he's looking to make some visits going forward. Did not mention Alabama to me, so that could tell me that maybe he's off the board or pushed down a little bit further than he was. Now that Bama has Baldwin in the fold. So if it's going to be the Juco route, I would expect it to be Garrett Bowles. But, again, long list of suitors, like Alabama, but also like Auburn. He's still considering BYU. He is Mormon. So there's a lot of factors with a kid like that. And I don't expect a decision anytime soon. So, if it was coming from the Juco ranks, I would expect it to be bold, uh, but Levitt not out of the woods just yet with Alabama. And regarding your scenario as far as playing time, I, I really don't think, John, that Cam Robinson will play his fourth year in Tuscaloosa. I think after his <laughs> third year, he's out of there like Sarah Quandre was. I'm just, just being honest with you. Yeah, you're right. You're probably right about that. So a retro year could give you know Charles Baldwin two years to replace uh, Cam Robinson, but again, maybe depending on me. Well, he can play right tackle like one year and left tackle the second year. I mean, you know, right, right. Nothing wrong with that. You're right. But uh, continuing on the topic of commitments, but not Alabama commitments, someone that had an Alabama offer, a very formidable Alabama offer, but went ahead and chose Auburn to reunite with his high school teammate. Tell us a little bit about Malik Miller from Madison Academy. Great player. This is this kid, before you talk about height, weight, position, this kid's a football player. He plays inside linebacker. He can rush the passer. He plays fullback. He can play running back. I've seen him split out and play tight end. The kid does everything from Madison Academy, which anybody in Alabama knows is one of the top, you know, two or three authorities in high school football regardless of classification. So 
first of all, he's a football player. He can do a little bit of everything. Auburn, of course, recruiting him strictly as a running back, and that was sort of his goal. He wanted to say, hey, look, I know I'm six foot 230 or so, maybe more, but I'm a running back. I'm not a fullback. And, of course, it doesn't help when scout.com, you know, the company I work for, lists him as the number one fullback in America. So it's like, oh, it's a great title, but he's like, no, I'm a running back. So he naturally he's got that chip on his shoulder because people look at his size and his style and think he's a fullback. I am of that camp. I believe he's a fullback A-back type. I think defensively he played well enough to play somewhere if he absolutely wanted to, but he would limit himself because he would be more of an inside guy in the middle of a 3-4 type of scheme. So he would limit his, his playing time because, let's be honest, those classic 3-4 inside backers, they're not as coveted as they once were. You want a guy who can play that but also maybe rush the pass or also play in coverage, and that's not necessarily Malik's skill set. So you have to think about him on offense in terms of what's best for him, and I think that fullback eight back role is actually what would work best. And that is probably still what he's going to end up doing at Auburn. Of course, it's not a traditional fullback, so it would be something that appeases him. And, and that H-back role there, you saw with Jay Post, we're going to see it um, going forward in, in Gus Malzahn's offense. It's a big role. You know, you catch a lot of passes, you block a little bit, you might even get a couple of carries. So it, it fits him perfectly, in my opinion. I think it made the most sense for him. Florida State doesn't really use it like that. And certainly Alabama um, uses theirs in a more traditional sense. You think of a Johnson Fowler, more of a up back in an eye formation type of guy. So it didn't really work out for the tie or the Seminoles there. It made a lot of sense for him to pick Auburn, which is what he did. And I like the move for all involved. I think uh, it helps Alabama save a spot. I don't envision them taking a fullback type in this class, running back much more of a priority. Uh, so that's kind of one of those where it works out for everybody. He gets the commitment done early. Um, and it kind of goes, I guess, how it was supposed to go, if that makes sense. And they took another player today at Auburn, I don't believe, or at least to my knowledge, feel free to correct me, that uh, Jamarcus Keyes, even back, I don't think Alabama was really involved with him, but uh, what do we know about him? Great player. Um, he was at a Blunt High School down in the Mobile area um, a couple of years ago. Well, I went a little bit overlooked because he played receiver in high school. He's got that sort of receiver body, 6'2 plus 185 pounds. So he's got a great frame on himself. But he was a decent cornerback as well. Goes to Coffeyville Community College below us because he's playing corner the whole time. He's got that sort of Richard Sherman look to him, 6'2 and a half, 180, long dreads, wants to press you up the line, use those long arms. I believe he has a, about a 6'5, six, 6'6 six, six wingspan. So. You combine those things and the fact that he runs well and, and, and the nation's best we're calling about Jamarcus King. Alabama was involved to a degree but never did fully, you know, pull the trigger with that scholarship offer. So King, it was more of a flirtation with Alabama than anything else. So Ty did look into it but decided uh, to pass on Jamarcus King. But Auburn was going to be in it the whole way. It made a lot of sense. He grew up an Auburn fan. Went to Blunt High School, of course, the home of, of Damian Craig, who's a famous Auburn uh, alum and obviously current coach uh, with Tiger. So a lot made sense for Auburn here. It seemed like it was only a matter of time. And sure enough, he visited again and decided today was the right day for it. So, you know, a typical Iron Bowl day in recruiting in the, in the middle of June. Both programs get two commitments that could be very big. Uh, beneath the surface of what it looks like. You see a corner and you see a fullback on for Auburn and you see a kicker and a linebacker for Alabama and you say, those guys 
could make a difference, but maybe not a big one. But down the road, we could be looking back on the day and saying, man, that was a pretty good day for those two programs, even though it didn't get a ton of buzz when those kids actually popped. So I think both programs have very good reason to be excited about what happens today. And I, I personally have seen Malik Miller play. Uh, the night I saw him, it was one particular game, a playoff game at Briarwood Christian, and he actually outperformed Kerryon Johnson that night. It was just they both had good games, but Malik was just basically untackleable. That's the word, unstoppable. Oh yeah. Once he got past the first line, the little five eight hundred and fifty pounders in the Barber secondary wanted no part of him, and uh, <laughs> I don't blame him. I mean, he, it was literally watching him. Man, Carryon kind of reminds me of a Carnival Williams type of guy. But uh, Malik, although he's not as thick, finds me more of Jonathan Fowler type of guy. And, and I mean that in great compliment to both players. They both have their own skill set. I do think that when he gets to Auburn, Malik is going to find out that he's probably going to play a lot of H-back. Uh, he, he may not like it. He may end up going to defense. I mean, he may want to play for Muschamp in the long run, but Auburn's got a pretty hefty stable of running backs right now, John. I mean, true running backs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're talking about five-star after five-star. You mentioned Terry on Johnson. If, if there's a back that fits Auburn's sort of inside-outside style, that is that guy. I don't. I don't think we've seen him to this point. And that's you know after you get to the, the probable starter, Rock Thomas, who was a top. I think he was the number two player in that same Alabama class of 2014 with four five stars. It was Rashawn Evans one, Rock Thomas two, Marlon Humphrey three, Trey Williams four, and of course those four, two of them going to Bama, two of them going to Auburn. So you've got Rock there. Um, you've got carry on there. And then in the junior college ranks, you go and get the best junior college back many have seen in the last couple of years in Javon Robinson, who, of course, originally signed with Auburn. He's bigger, better now, and he's been on campus for a long time. So it's sort of going to be the, the Rock and Javon show for the Tigers. Uh, and, and like you said, it's about as fact as you can uh, assume, even if Javon Robinson's a one-and-done prospect like many think he is, you still have Rock Thomas with more eligibility. You still have... Cam Petway, who's another big back that Auburn took uh, in the state in the last couple of years. Um, so there's several packs in front of a guy uh, like Malik Miller. And, and as you mentioned, his teammate, Carryon Johnson, that's a kid you find a way to get the football to. Auburn's been recruiting receivers well because they've been um, producing some, some big play numbers. Sammy Coates went high in the draft, and Williams will probably do so following this season. So they're recruiting very well offensively, like you would expect a Gus Malzahn team to do. So that means tough to spread the ball around because you, you, you kind of you have to feed the beast that you have there. So while Malik Miller is a fantastic back, and like you said, nobody wants to see that kid one-on-one in the hole. It's just a matter of, you know, only one ball to go around, so he's going to have to get in where he sits in. And like you said, he could end up as an impact factor on defense down the road, but if he wants to play offense, he's going to have to be willing to be versatile. It might be as a running back his freshman year, but he might have to transition at some point to be sort of the next Jay Post out at, uh, at Auburn. And Auburn got an excellent running back. We didn't mention Peyton Barber that redshirted last year and had a very good spring. He had such a good spring, John, that they've already moved Cam Petway to H-back. That's how low they Exactly, are. exactly. And that's another Cam big thing, so Auburn has a big one and a little one. Yeah. yeah, they do. They, got them a lot of, they, they, they have a lot of running backs in there. Alabama is woefully thin at running back. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned Damian Harris on this show a million times as a guy that could come in and maybe contribute. All of a sudden, Damian Harris is probably going to be the number three running back this fall at Alabama, John. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's been reflected in how Bama has sort of changed course of recruiting. We talked about Bama maybe taking two quarterbacks or do they take a kicker. Clearly they've already decided to take a kicker. So, again, it lessens the chances for a two quarterback. And another reason why could be running back. Now all of a sudden, instead of maybe originally taking one back in this class because you would have had a Bo Scarborough playing, you would have signed two guys in this past class in um, in Flowers and the aforementioned Harris. So you kind of would have been good with one elite back in the class. But now all of a sudden, Bo Scarborough shares his ACL, his future is cloudy, Kenyon Drake coming off of his injury, Derrick Henry most likely. If you look at the running back trends headed to the NFL, so recruiting running backs in this class, maybe for the first time since I've covered Alabama, it's absolutely critical. Not only for one, you got to bring in at least two. And if you're bringing only two, they've got to be two you know, top five, top ten type of backs, which is like what we saw them do in that Derrick Henry class. But of course, Henry, the only back remaining from that big-time group uh, because of transfers to some of the success. So now recruiting running backs is all of a sudden the biggest storyline going forward along with left tackle, as you mentioned, for the Crimson side. The only difference is that now that Charles Baldwin's on board, the left tackle perception is eased just a little bit. But when you look at running backs, zero on that board right now. Although some positive news today for that running back board, B.J. Emmons, kid out of Morganton, North Carolina, just outside of Charlotte. He committed from UGA. Bama had recently offered it. He had actually reached out to Alabama while he was committed to UGA. That's how that contact was established. After he committed to UGA, he wanted to learn more about Bama's system. He thinks it fits it well, and I do as well. This is another, talking about big backs all day today, this is another six-foot, 220-pound kid, downhill, kind of looks like an Alabama type back, and that's actually what intrigued him about the Crimson Tide a few months ago. So he's obviously followed up with that, picked up the Bama offer, decommitted from UGA, and it looks like Tennessee and Bama are the schools sort of on his list very quietly because he doesn't like talking very much, at least to the media. But Tennessee and Bama possibly battling it out for a kid who could very well be the best back and would have been fairly weak running back class. So a very important recruit for Alabama all of a sudden back on the market. Uh, and then that familiar name is another one to keep an eye on at the running back position, Holyfield. Not Evander, but his son, Elijah. Everyone thought he was going to either Georgia or Auburn. Auburn, probably the leader two weeks ago, visited Bama for the very first time with Evander, with the rest of his family this past week. And look, game-changer type visit. Alabama all of a sudden right there with the Tigers. So it could be an Iron Bowl battle for another Georgia prospect, which is something we've seen plenty of over the last couple of cycles. So, And in a perfect world, Bama would land B.J. Emmons and sort of surge late and land Eliza Holmesfield, two four-stars, two top-ten title backs, which is exactly what it would need going forward. But I think that their situation with Eliza being fairly new to the process and picking up offers as he goes and B.J. recently decommitted from UGA, I think both guys take their time. So that, that ease that Bama's have with Charles Baldwin on the commitment list might have to wait a little bit longer to get similar ease with that running back position. You don't have to comment on this, John. This is just kind of an aside for our listeners. But uh, Holyfield's older brother, Evander Jr., was for at least a year or two a walk-on wide receiver at Auburn uh, not too long ago. Uh, so I knew yep, there was under a relationship. Yep. Yes, I knew there was a relationship between that family and the school. Personally, I like the idea 
of the potentiality of having Evander Holyfield uh, and Deontay Wilder roaming the sidelines at a big national TV game in Tuscaloosa. I think that would be awesome is not the right word. I'm a huge fan of both of them. I was always an Evander fan. I lived in Atlanta for a good part of his career. And, uh, of course, Deontay Tuscaloosa guy. I've had a chance to meet him in person. I've never met Evander. Deontay fighting here in Birmingham this uh, this Saturday night, defending his heavyweight crown. Uh, John, I know you need to go pretty soon. I've only got really one more question for you. We're trying to work out who's uh, found stuff. He'll, he'll be with us in a minute. But, uh, John, I don't know if you've had any conversations with Jason Caldwell about this or not. Maybe you haven't. And Jason was not a part of this. It's kind of originated from another Auburn site. But oh, I know where you're going. Uh, well, I have no choice but to bring this up. And Drew's take on it next hour is going to be gold. we got a call that wants to discuss it next hour. But I have to ask you, John, is it typical for a school when they realize they're not going to get a kid, and we're talking about Mac Wilson and, and Auburn University, to say via a website that he was not a fit for them? I, I, I want to get your take on it, John. I'm sure you've got one. Yeah. And I'm going to call bullshit on it, too. He was a fit for them. <laughs> This is interesting because, you know, there's a lot of ways to to look at this thing. First of all, from my perspective, as a reporter, you you hear a lot of things. You talk to coaches off and on, off record, on record. You can report something. You can't report something. Maybe you're just shooting the breeze and something comes up. You have a choice always. You run with the information. If you feel comfortable with the source, maybe you do. If you know that he's cool with it, maybe you do, and everything works out for everybody. But when there's a new coaching staff in place, like there is at Auburn, I think you got to be extra careful, especially with a guy like Will Muschamp, who we all know is running Auburn's defense and probably their recruiting board when it comes to defense. So ultimately, probably his call. But you got to be careful with stuff like that. How comfortable are you running with something that you might have heard on a win? Because Auburn has had camps these last couple of weeks. Auburn allows reporters at their camps, but maybe this ends it for all we know. And I know the guy who reported, he's a great guy. Ran into him a bunch of times cover high school camps. So I want to put that out there as well. But you always have to be very conscious of, of the information you're putting out and the potential ramification. Because if you are on Twitter, you saw Lindell Mackwell, and it was like, a, for lack of a better phrase, it was an FU to Auburn because the, the, the post said Auburn is no longer interested in Mackwell because they don't believe he is a fit. A couple of things. One, even if it's true, things can change. It's June. You know, signing day in February, you cannot deny the raw ability of this kid. So if, if there is a notion that he does not fit a certain type of defense, that can change. How many times did our impression change of Rashawn Evans in the last year of his recruitment? Even in the last few months, our, our perception of Ben Davis, the other top linebacker in the state, has changed completely. I used to think he was a surefire, middle-of-the-road type of linebacker, inside guy, but now I actually think he's the best versatile and outside linebacker in the state ahead of Mac Wilson. So, and that was just in a couple of months, and I've seen the kids play a ton. So, again, the board can change. So, that's where you get back to the report question. Do you put things out there because it could damage a relationship? It's about relaying the current information, but you also have to sort of protect your reputation. You have to protect the school you cover to some degree uh, because if the board changes tomorrow, now Auburn's got a big, arguably the number one player in the state. So, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but it's clear that it was out there. It's clear that Max saw it, and it's clear that he has a very different perception of Auburn right now. I did talk to Max about it very briefly. He said he was never told he was off the board. He was never told they were going to recruit him a little bit less. Surely 
Nobody's recruited him as far as Alabama, but that's something that could be completely separate for all we know. So whether it's true or not, the facts are that the perception has changed greatly with Mac Wilson and Auburn. And clearly, it would be a massive surprise to see him end up there, which at the end of the day is very good news for Alabama. It could be even better news considering his friendship with Ben Davis, with Marlon Davidson, although that stuff is typically talked about more than it actually goes to effect when we're talking about package deals and things like that. But regardless, as we said, perception has changed with Mac and with Auburn, and then that's the biggest factor here. All right, John. Well, thank you for that take. Uh, great stuff, as always. And uh, enjoy watching the NBA Finals tonight. Uh, we're going to actually end at 8.30 Central so we can join you in watching the NBA Finals. And I look forward to uh, some fun tweets about that, unless there's no commitment. But thanks so much for your time tonight, John. Absolutely. Hopefully uh, Seth Curry can uh, find a touch again and tie this bad boy up, huh? Well, I think he started finding it a little bit too late, but towards the end of last game. So I, I think there is that hope. And uh, Thomas and I were actually discussing the same thing before you came on. But thanks again. That was John Garcia of Scout.com and BamaMag.com. Uh, we are about to be joined by Drew DeArmond of 97.7 The Zone in Huntsville after we take a break. But for now, we are going to take a break. You're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family.
Radio. We're still having some technical difficulties with Drew, but we should be joined by uh, our one of our regular callers, Colin Big C. McGuire, here in a bit. And like Carrie said before the break happened, I think he's got a very interesting take on this Mac Wilson issue. Let's call it that. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> Drew, can you is your mic coming through? Can you hear me now? Yes, uh, gremlin gone. Where, wherever the gremlin was for five to seven minutes, it seems to be gone. Uh, I can now hear you. Ah, technology. Hooray. It, yeah. it, it gives me a job and gives me a migraine all in one fell swoop. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, guys. Glad to be with you. Um, just uh, had to... Uh, just got back from the radio station, uh, recording an interview for some previewing some the College World Series and uh, the, the Major League Baseball draft was very interesting this week. Was SEC heavy and top two picks in the draft were uh, SEC shortstops and Alabama set a record uh, for players drafted in the top 15 rounds yet couldn't make the NCAA tournament. There you go. Well, let's talk about that, Drew, because. It's a no-brainer for Mike McCoryak to the, the picture that's oh, going to be yes. present. That he he gone. It's a no-brainer for, for Mikey White. He gone. It's really a no-brainer for Casey Houston. He gone. But the rest of the kids have got decisions to make. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know exactly what the 14th round money is, but but I don't think it's great. I don't think it's any more than maybe 200k to sign. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, those guys like Kyle Overstreet, Will Carter. Will seems to be leading to going. Uh, I'm not sure what Kyle's going to do. And then Georgie went later uh, to Arizona. Georgie Salem and his parents are, are trying to figure out what he's going to do at this very hour. Uh, so, you know, to me, I think Will Carter's probably gone, and, and that may be good for Alabama and Will. But uh, the others really, Drew, to me, have some serious decisions to make. Well, uh Georgie Salem, uh, I know he has a money figure in mind. If Arizona hits that number, I think he will uh, leave. Uh, he wanted to go in the in the top five to ten rounds, of course, and I think was slated to come back. Then Arizona uh, drafts him. Uh, I know that he he and his family really love Tony Larusa, who is now running that operation. He's a class man, a Hall of Famer. So he'll depend on what I guess a lot, a lot of of it may, may depend really. Uh, on how they how much money they spend on their other draft picks, including the top overall pick Dansby Swanson, but I would say there's a there's a, Georgie has great options. He he can either come back and finish school. He's a very good student and play in the in the new palace, or if they hit the number for the Diamondbacks, uh, then he can uh, turn professional. Uh, I, my my gut would tell me there's a good chance he could return, but I'll say this: if you read Kyle Overstreet's uh, uh, statement yesterday and uh, the, the press release after the draft, uh, Mr. Overstreet is gone. Uh, they they basically talked about him in the past tense. 
Uh, they said and he finished his Alabama career with these stats, a, a 277 batting average overall, and went over his home run and RBI stats and talked about him having his best year at the plate this year. Uh, he's going to convert to catcher for San Diego. Uh, good organization, and uh, my suspicions are that he's also, much like Will Carter, uh, played his last uh, inning in an Alabama uniform. Well, and I understand that. I do. Uh, he, he gave Alabama three good years. Uh, the 14th round money is, is probably pretty good. Uh, I'm trying to remember what round did Georgie go in? He went in the 39th, I believe. See, I don't think that's going to be that great of a money, dude. I, I know he got a figure in mind, but, I mean, what is the figure, 150? Yeah, I'm not. I'd like to know what the figure is that they have in mind. I've not felt comfortable asking Paige about that. No, I have not. I have not asked that at all, and I, I will not. Uh, that's up to them as a family. But they, he has a money figure in mind, and, and if the Diamondbacks reach that, then he will turn professional. But that is going to be up to him. Uh, that's going to be up to him and the family. Uh, it's a big decision for him. It's a really good organization now with Tony Larusa at the helm and. Georgie's put in three good years and finished the year strong, but again, he has uh, he has some leverage and some and, and an excellent opportunity to come back and and be a leader next year and get to play in the new stadium, uh, which I'm sure, being an Alabama fan his whole life, his, he and his family would be a thrill. But it's just going to be a business decision, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. Right. So really, in, in, in the most opinions. Georgie's really the only one that might come back. The other ones are definitely gone. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think they're. I think all the guys uh, are definitely gone. Uh, I, you know, uh, I, but I, I mean, I guess anything could happen. I mean, uh, but uh, just from the people that I've talked to and just from reading the tea leaves, uh, I just think that uh, that uh, he's gonna see. Uh, the I'll read you the last sentence of uh, the press release from Alabama. Overstreet wrapped up his time at Alabama batting 277 with 105 RBIs and 99 runs scored. He maintains a 985 fielding percentage across 978 chances and finished with 541 career assists to rank third all-time at Alabama. And so, yeah. Yeah, maybe he told him to write that way. Uh, But I I think, uh, obviously, uh, one very interesting uh, thing to watch is going to be Alabama signee Kobe Vance. He went in the 16th round to Cleveland. Many cases that, that you know, uh, kids will come to school in that in that regard. If they don't get the offer that they want, we'll see. It could probably go either way. Cleveland's a pretty solid organization, but I think they were counting on Vance to come in and have a chance to start at second base, so we will see. But uh, it could be some more tough news for Coach Gaspard, but uh, Kobe Vance is someone that might come back. Again, uh, when the when he didn't go in the top ten rounds, I thought, like yourself, that Overstreet might be back. But when he went in the 14th round and then I read the press release and then talking to the people I talked to, I just think that uh, Kyle Overstreet's ready to move on and uh, ready to try his hand at catcher. And, and when, I'll tell you this, uh, Kerry, I, there was a young man from over here in my area at Huntsville High School, Andrew Dennis. He, he spent two years at Wallace State. His second year he was drafted, I want to say, in the 37th round uh, by the Pittsburgh Pirates. He got a hundred thousand dollars, and they told him they'd pay for the rest of his college education. And he turned pro, so you never know if they reach six digits on the money. And I could see that in the fourteenth round for San Diego. They've been spending money lately. If Overstreet, if they if, if they give him a decent bonus, I'm a, I'm I'm almost assured that he's gone. Fair enough, fair enough. But we'll have to wait and see what they offer him. Um, it'll be interesting. I, 
Now, I mean, now you, you mentioned uh, Kobe Vance. I believe there was one more high schooler that was drafted fairly high. When I say uh, fairly high, I mean like top 20 rounds. Well, I don't know about Alabama. That's the only one that I know about. Uh, I know that uh, besides Nicarak, I know he was uh, also uh, drafted, but uh, I have not seen uh, if, if if another one of Alabama signees was drafted or not. Uh, the, the press release was done after the third day, so I but I have not seen uh, if another one was drafted or not. If if they if they had if they were, I did not see it in the press release. Oh well, I, I thought that there were maybe it was just Vans. I, I thought there might have been one more uh, that went maybe later on. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, I don't know how much of the uh, interview you had with you heard with John Garcia, uh, yes. but but he uh, I think you heard the last ten or twelve minutes of it. Uh, I actually did not hear any of it. Okay. Oh, that's right. Your headset. Okay. Well, that makes up for me not hearing most of Rodney's last week. One of these days we're going to get all this headset stuff figured out. I, I really thought we had it, and, and then you know we were all fired up about going back premium, and we go back premium, and each week one of us can't hear for part of the show. But I'm glad we can all hear now. And I did already tell them that we we're going to cut it off at uh, 8:30 Central tonight, right? In order to uh, be able to watch the NBA finals. I've already got one of the TVs on it, but I'm just not in that room. Uh, we are going to be hearing from one of our regular callers at 8.15, so I'm going to hold off on the uh, Mac Wilson thing until then because I know that's what he's going to ask you about, so I'm going to just wait on that. But in between now and then, we would like to have you guys and girls call us on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline, 714-510-3707. Again, 714-510-3707, Big Heads Barbecue Hotline for BAM's radio. And, you know, I spent all that time talking to John and asking about all these players that, that had committed, and somehow I forgot to ask him about U. Lee. But we had him over anyway. But why don't we go ahead and get your comments on the U. Lee commitment? Oh, well, U. Lee, he's a prototypical middle linebacker. Uh, he's an inside thumper. There's some people questioning, you know, his speed. But I think he's a violent kid. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the one drawback is I think he's got a lot of academic work to do. Uh, but for a kid at this point in time, that's nothing unusual. But I do think he does have some academics that he needs to take care of. And we'll see about that. But uh, uh, I, I, I think he's a, a, he, that he fits Alabama's defense. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I got a, a scouting report from someone that's a friend of mine in this industry. He, he talks to a, a – uh, uh, a former uh, scouting director that worked for the Denver Broncos, and he looked at UE's film, and he sent me some notes this morning. He just basically said he was a strong middle linebacker that's a nasty downhill striker. He has a definite mean streak. He said his, his, his mass and killer mentality make him a man among boys at the high school level. He did say he has good speed, but it's not elite. Uh, he said he's good in space, but not great in space. And uh, he, but definitely his strength is there being a run stopper between the tackles, has good arm length and strong hands, and uh, he can make plays in space. He said he really does project well at an inside linebacker, and he's already physically ready. So he does have some, you know, drawbacks academically, and again, maybe a speed issue. There are some people questioning it, but he plays with a high intensity level, and I do think he's an elite talent, no doubt about it. The, the commitment tonight, right before the show, was surprising. Um, Me too. 
I'd been hearing about Riley Cole about two weeks ago, a week and a half ago at the camp. I heard he performed well. I watched his film. I'm going to be honest, as I'm always honest on this show. It did not wow me. I mean, I, I thought I didn't think he made plays downhill. Uh, he had 148 tackles last year, but again, uh, he and Aniana had a good football team. They had, they won the state championship the year before when he was in tenth grade. The thing, the, the part of the film I was trying to watch. He's listed at six three, 215 pounds. He does play tight end as well, but they only had a couple of clips of tight end. That's the main reason I was trying to watch the tape. But in his spring game, again, he made a lot of tackles, but they weren't down the field type plays, you know. And, uh, and, and I, so I've, I've heard tonight that he was an insurance policy for Jaquan Uly, but a good friend of mine that I talked to on the way to the radio station, I agree. I, I don't really know about that as far as it seems a little early to be taking an insurance policy, but obviously uh, he uh, he's, he's performed well. Maybe he could be another Corey Reamer. We will see. But, again, this is, I guess, of all the guys taken, uh, Kerry, uh, in the last couple of weeks because the class is growing, this has been my first surprise. And I'm thinking maybe maybe he's the guy that's already said, if you need me to, I don't mind gray shirt. I don't know what conversation was. But I was yeah. saying it was commendable because he committed. And yeah. the Ringer the comparison is actually, I, I was kind of hoping to hear, uh, and I tried to get this out of John, but I was, I was hoping to hear Keith Oakland, but I'm, I'm, I'm no, he's not as he's not, not nearly as fast as Holcomb, in my opinion, on tape. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, maybe they're going to bulk him up and play him inside. Who knows? Uh, well, I, maybe, I, maybe I, they're going to bulk him up and play him tight end. Who, who yeah, knows? that's why I was trying to. I, I I'd like to talk to John Jacobs. I'm going to try to reach him uh, in the next few days. I'd like to talk to him. Uh, you know, he and 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 see what his thoughts are on that because I didn't get to see a lot of tape on him at tight end. You're right. Maybe he could bulk up. Uh, he's obviously a good athlete. He had been offered by Wake Forest yesterday, uh, but again, I, I was surprised. Uh, that, but you're right, Kerry. He could easily gray shirt. Uh, I still think this doesn't affect at all. Of course, Mac Wilson, uh, Ben Ben Davis at all, and I, or E. Thompson. I expect E. Roll Thompson to commit to Alabama in a couple weeks. Uh, I, I think he's obviously got some academic work to do as well, but. I think uh, that he's uh, he's too good not to take. He performed well at Alabama's camp. And then Terrence Harris of Huffman High School in Birmingham, best athlete in Birmingham. Uh, he's a guy with elite skills, but he needs to do some academic work as well. I still think if he does his work, he could be part of the class. It's just going to be interesting. But they do need to go linebacker heavy. I do think that they, the numbers are starting to thin out a little bit. But, again, this is the first kid uh, that I was a little bit surprised but he, he may have a big senior year now. Who knows? But I just a little bit of film that I've seen didn't wow me. And I, I was just I knew he had done well, but I, I thought he was someone that would be a Division One athlete most most likely, but would probably uh, not be offered by Alabama or Auburn. But obviously, and w- the funny thing is, Kerry, he committed, and I guess he got offered today because I wasn't aware he had an offer. He committed within like five seconds of the offer. Uh, that must have been what happened. Yeah, no, I, that's pretty much what John said happened. And a couple of sources have reported that that's how it went down on uh, yeah. various websites. Yeah. So, hey, he, he committed so fast, he didn't even have it on his Twitter account. Uh, pardon me, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But I checked his Twitter, and he hadn't even put it on his own Twitter account. Huh. Well, and, you know, <laughs> there seems to be one or two guys every year, and a lot of times they're in-state guys, that people go, what? Because they were three stars, and, and they offered and committed 15 seconds later, and... 
Yeah. Maybe he's that guy this year. I don't know. Dude. I, but you know what? You know, you and me don't get paid to make these evaluations. We just get paid to comment on them. Speaking of evaluations, Drew, I, I haven't had a chance to let – I know you've done it on 97.7, but I wanted to get your uh, your take on Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Uh, I, I, I'm excited about Jalen Hurts. First of all, he's the son of a coach, and I love that. I love lineage guys whose dad or grandfather played football at a high level. I love coaches' sons because they love the game. They've been around it their whole lives. They're grinders. Uh, you know, they – they they understand how to work. They usually their dads are not easy on them. They so they they understand all aspects aspects of the game. And his dad Avrion Hurts is his head coach at Channel View High School. I watched film of all four guys uh, that Alabama evaluated and got heavily involved with in the last couple of months at quarterback. I watched Jalen Hurts on film. I watched Xavier Gaines of Lake Wells, Florida. I watched uh, Juwan Pass of Columbus, Georgia. And then I watched uh, Woody Barrett of the Orlando, Florida area. And I've got to tell you, I would rank them as follows. Jalen Hurts, number one. Woody Barrett, number two. And then I would say bracketed together, Xavier Gaines and Juwan Pass. I would probably give Gaines a slight edge because he's a better passer. He's probably the second best passer of the four, but he's not as athletic as the other two. Woody Barrett is a freak of nature running the football. He does need to refine his mechanics throwing. He has kind of a low release, but he has a strong arm and a big-time upside, so Auburn got a great quarterback there. But Jalen Hurts, he does have good mobility. He does have good quickness to to be able to avoid defenders. And the, big, the biggest thing he's got, he's got the quickest release, the highest, and the most compact. You can tell he's a coach's kid. He's got excellent arm strength. Channel view is in uh, the 6A in Texas, which is big boy football. Uh, they averaged, oh, Lord, look, I, I checked their numbers. I think they were averaging close to 50 points per game last year. Uh, so they're very, I think he's a student of the game. I think he, I think he will be named uh, one of the Elite 11 finalists. I know it's kind of jumping the gun. But I think he's a lot further along definitely than Juwan Pass, who's already there. Uh, in Alabama, there's been a lot of speculations they could take two quarterbacks. Now that they took Eddie Pinheiro, which is what I was hoping would happen, in my opinion, they should, they should not take Juwan Pass. I think he's someone that's too raw. I think he's got excellent size. But if you watch him on film, he's not a natural runner. And his p- passing mechanics of the three other three QBs I mentioned are by far the worst. He needs a lot of work, a lot of refinement. And I'm not sure. He, he needs at least two years of development. And when you've already got a, a Jalen Hurts that he's going to be competing with and a Blake Barnett and a David Cornwell, to me, he's someone that's going to end up transferring out of your program. I hate to you know assume a lot of things. But I'm just reading the tea leaves, and this young man, he needs to be—he needs to play in an offense like a Gus Malzahn, where the quarterback is a runner, the, an integral part of the running game every week. Because at Alabama, that's not going to be the case. They're going to have a balanced offense. They want a quarterback that can make plays with his legs, but they're not going to have a lot of design runs. Juwan Pass needs to be refined. And he needs – he's a good enough athlete where he is a pretty good runner. He's just – I said not natural, but he's just not Woody Barrett. But he can still run, got good mobility. But the bottom line is, to me, he needs to be in an offense that's going to feature him as a runner because I just don't think he fits at Alabama. I know they like him a lot, but that's personal opinion on my part. I think he's overrated, and I think Alabama needs to, uh, to get a player in another position. And taking someone like Riley Cole, which means to me, Kerry, they're going to take at least five linebackers I don't think, and with all the good defensive linemen they're in on, offensive tackles, you think they'll take a couple of defensive backs, two to three more receivers. I don't see where you can take another quarterback. 
I don't think you can in this class, uh, especially with the young man. Well, and he may not even be the guy they take, but everybody seems fairly impressed with the 2017 kid from Arab, Alabama. Dalton Hyatt, very impressive yeah. on tape. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I've seen his film. I like it better uh, than Juwan Pass. Uh, I think Dalton Hyde is someone I definitely want to see this fall to see how he's developed. I know Coach Saban likes him a lot. There's, of course, a lot of people are going nuts over the kid from Las Vegas who uh, is supposed to visit Alabama, I think, June the 20th, and he's got a top three of Alabama, USC, and Texas A&M. Uh, and he, has that, he, throws, he shows excellent passing ability, but he's 5'10". Dalton Hyatt is 6'3". Uh, he plays at Arab High School. They had a 7-4 and four record. Has not been a football power, uh, but he's already been offered by the Miami Hurricanes. I know he's been a frequent visitor to Alabama, and again, he's caught Coach Saban's eye. And of course, I think he's very intriguing to watch in 2017, Kerry. And I think everybody already knows where the focus is going to be for 2018. That will be Mr. Jack West, the friend of the show. Who's never even started a game. Yes, Sarah Land High School. Uh, we've had Jeff Kelly on our show. I'm sure we'll have uh, Jack West and to say the kid's mature for his age is one of the biggest understatements I've ever had the, the privilege of saying. Uh, I talked to him last year when he visited the Mississippi State game, uh, and he had not at that point. That's when I found out he was the backup. I started hearing about him last summer when he worked out for Coach Kiffin, thinking he was the starter, and then he told me that he was backing up Chris Weaver, who signed with Louisiana Lafayette, and then Sarah Land reaches the 7A finals, or excuse me, the 6A finals, uh, and they lose uh, the uh, heartbreaker. Uh, to Clay Chalkville in a shootout. It's probably the best game of the Super 7. But again, and and now Wes will start. He's got a great number one receiver in Velas Jones, who is a uh, big-time kid who is now committed to the USC Trojans. So it's going to be interesting to watch his development. Guys, let me jump in real quick on this. the the Jack West. He, uh, Lady I used to work with, her husband is a former Auburn grad, and he's been his son plays on the same football team, so he's been getting the Auburn pitch for a good long while. So, interesting little factoid there. But anyway. But he's a Bama fan. I know. I'm just saying he's been getting the Auburn pitch for a while. Yeah, but I will, uh, he has. I'm sure he has, uh, Thomas, but I can assure you uh, he's, a, he's he wears number 12 because of Brody Kroll. I mean, he's a uh, huge he's Alabama good. fan. He he admitted that to me when I talked to him. I mean, he did say he was going to make his own decision and he was going to take his time, but there's no doubt about that Alabama's his favorite school. And uh, anybody you talk to, I think he's at, his parents are Alabama fans. So I think uh, the the whole family is uh, Bama people. So if Alabama continues on the, their path with Nick Saban, uh, I, I don't want to say somebody's an absolute lock, but I think Alabama is going to be very, very tough to beat uh, for Jack West. He does have a Bama offer, and uh, to me, now this is just a, a CC Bama statement that people who've been reading me over the years or listening to this show the last years, I like to make these kind of statements. But to me, if Alabama can get Dalton Hyatt next year, uh, really the year after next, and then Jack West the following year, to me, that's like getting two straight AJ McCarrens without the attitude. And I'm just going to do that. <laughs> but we do have a call on hold on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline. And I know what he wants to ask, <laughs> and I and I can't wait to hear the answer. So let me just bring him in without further ado. Your friend of mine from Greenville, Alabama, Colin Big C McGuire. What is up? And I know what's up. How you doing? Uh, uh, how are y'all? First, before I ask the question. Great, good, good, how see. How you doing, man? Good, Drew. You carrying that wild man there? How you, big man? 
Does he hear me or not? That's you, Thomas. Yeah, we, we got you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm great. I apologize. <laughs> I was I was solving some gremlins myself. Yeah, we've got oh, gremlins tonight. He has a name, Big C. It's Thomas. Yeah. Big oh, okay, oh, the wizard. Remember. We call him the wizard. <laughs> the wizard. Okay, the wizard of Thomas. Okay. All right. Question. Saw something on Facebook very interesting. This guy's rated the number eight player in the country, and uh, for whatever reason, Mac Wilson does not fit into Auburn's plans. What did happen for that to happen? Or do y'all know? Both will go through. Uh, this is the classic. There's, he, he doesn't have a mean streak. He's not an Auburn man. He's, uh, you know, he's just not uh, Auburn material. It's called, it's called translation. He does not want to go to Auburn. He does not like Auburn. He was never going to Auburn. He was always going to Alabama. When I interviewed the young man after they won the state basketball tournament, he had an Alabama backpack on. He wants to play at the University of Alabama. They're afraid, they want to keep him away from uh, uh, Marlon Davidson because they are, there is a very – I would, I'm not going to say very good, but there is a chance, and I know you've heard it, Big C, that he could go back to Carver. They want to stop that because, to be honest with you, I will say it on BAM's radio tonight, if he stays in Greenville, he will probably go to Auburn. If he goes back to Carver-Montgomery, you better start drinking because he ain't going to sign with the Auburn Tigers, and they know it. Uh, very interesting. Yeah, as soon as I read that, as soon as I read that, Big C, that's coming straight from the Auburn coaching staff to Brian Matthews and those guys. And all that is is waving the white flag. He is not coming to Alabama. And that's what it is. It's why they, Auburn hasn't offered E. Roll Thompson of, of, uh, of Florence. And he grew up in Auburn. His parents are Auburn fans. But they know he's not coming to, uh, to Auburn either. And, you know, and I was told by someone that. E. Roll Thompson at at, uh, at, at uh, Florence High School, and another yeah. kid to watch. I, we talked about him earlier today on, the, on just a few minutes ago. Terrence Harris from Huffman. I was told by somebody that I really respect, and he, he's a he's a member of the Auburn media that's sane, and there's not many of them. But he told that me that includes Jason Caldwell. End of story. And uh, and he told me that Terrence Harris, you know, did not work out at Auburn. And, you know, he well he. He said his knee was hurt, and then he was going to work out. But then he wanted to work out in the drills, and Auburn just told him not to. And he said, well, he's not going to end up at Auburn. And I said, well, you know, I didn't say anything. But the bottom line is, Terrence Harris, if he gets his grades, if you watch the tape, he's an elite player. But he doesn't want to go to Auburn either. I mean, I'm sure that's the case. I mean, they got Malik Miller today, who is a fullback. I love Malik. He's a class kid. It was a great press conference from a, with a class dad who, and his mother and dad's Alabama fans, but he chose Auburn because he likes them the best. He thinks they're the best fit for him. And they think, they, you know, they all, everyone believes he's going to be a running back. I personally believe he'll be a fullback. It's no disrespect to him. He may prove me wrong like Jordan Matthews did, who I thought Matthews was a safety. He went to Vandy, became a great wide receiver in the NFL now. But I'm just saying, based upon what I've seen and what I've, both in person and on tape, I think, you know, Malik Miller's a fullback. But they got Malik today. They're really excited. I think on Johnson being in his ear played a big role, and Malik basically admitted that. Uh, and I think Auburn, 
But to be honest, I don't think once Alabama didn't get Kerryon Johnson, I don't think that they pushed hard for Malik Miller. And I mean, uh, Wesley Senior, who was uh, Senior, who was at for AL dot com, who was at the press conference. I read his story right after I left. Malik Miller chooses Auburn over Alabama and Florida State. Alabama wasn't pushing for Malik. They wanted him. They offered him a scholarship. That is a fact. But I don't think uh, that, that, it's, they, that they've been blowing his phone up trying to get him. That's just my opinion. But uh, just following this recruiting process, there had been no buzz about Malik for several months. And and, and he, he was a frequent visitor to Auburn. I felt like for the last year that's probably where he'd go, where he probably felt more comfortable. And all the best of luck to him. I mean, he made the choice that was best for him. But I just really believe – uh, that Alabama didn't. Uh, he, that he, they had. They 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 need two running backs in the class. But they're not looking right now for a fullback. And I, you know, he was a Jalson Fowler type at Alabama, which is a very can be a very very integral part of your football team. But again, I don't think that Alabama was so much pushing for him. They're uh, looking. They were looking for guys at other positions. And so that's just my opinion. And and since he doesn't have elite, I I don't think he has the elite speed to be a big time running back. He may prove me wrong, and if he does, so so be it. But I, I just don't see it. And I, I think with the Mac Wilson thing, what Auburn's doing is waving the white flag saying, we're not going to get Mac Wilson, so we're going to put out some propaganda, which they're the best at doing. And, uh, he no, just, he, oh, he, the, well, I read something last night that said he just, by J.G. Tate, he was one of the biggest hacks, and I don't care if he listens to this, in the Auburn media. He said that what he's heard is Ben Day. I mean, excuse me, Mar- that uh, Mac Wilson has a laissez-faire attitude to, toward uh, football, and that Auburn's defensive staff is now serious, and they want serious football players. How you can put that on a message board and sound like a clown is beyond me, because that's the biggest bunch of horse manure that I've ever heard in my life. But I mean, now, so you're saying that Ellis Johnson didn't take it serious, and that's why y'all got shelled last year? Why don't you go sell that to some uh, some uh, somebody in Iran or something? Because you're full of it and you're not a credible member of the media, my friend. Yeah, what what they say something about Ellis Johnson? Also, is that what you say? And no, I'm just saying what well, you're saying. No, Auburn's defensive staff is they're 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 about serious business and they're all football. So you're saying that the ones before weren't? He implied it. <laughs> I mean, what are you saying? I mean, even some of their own members said that it, that it was a pathetic article and that how could you write something like that? And they were like, Mac Wilson could fit in anybody's defense. How can you say Auburn's not recruiting him anymore? Just go ahead and say it. He doesn't want to be an Auburn Tiger. He's not an Auburn man. That's what. It, that's basically what it comes down to. Uh, hey, Drew, are they going to write the same story about Ben Davis? Of course. Even though before he left, uh, Justin Hokinson was trying to sell them on the fact they've got a real shot at Ben Davis. If you think you've got a real shot at Ben Davis, I'll say he's in swampland in Arizona. Move on. Yeah. Well, um, so so right now you still think, uh, as long as Davidson stays in Greenville, you think he's heading uh, toward the east part of the state is what y'all say. That, that's my, my opinion, Big C. Now, he can come out you know, tomorrow, or he could play a year in Greenville and stay in touch with Mac and still go to Alabama, but that's just my opinion. Now, if he goes – I think here, – here's what I really believe, and you might know more than me. You're a, you're, a member of the, you're, you're a member of the community. You know that place very well. I think he yeah. wants to be at Carver, and that's my opinion based on what I hear. Yeah. I, think that's I don't really – 
I think that might be right. I mean, really, I don't know. I mean, I'm well, sort of I'll say this. Low. Put it in. Put it. Put it in this context. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but put it in this context. If if his mother had not passed away, he would not be at Greenville. Uh, oh no, no, I agree with that. Now I agree with that comment there. I agree totally with that. No, he'd still be living in Montgomery. He'd be going to Carver High, and he'd be be getting three folks right there. So, all right, let me ask y'all this scenario. Just say Alabama does get all three of them. How big will smash would that be against Auburn in state if that happens? Well, it would be if if Alabama got Ben. Mac and Marlon Davidson, uh, and they're going to get two of them. I'm just going to have to say it. But if Auburn doesn't get Marlon Davidson, oh, it'd be big. Because to be honest, right now their defensive talent is not great. Uh, they 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 are fortunate that David Marshall from Thomason, Georgia, who decommitted, and to be honest, I think wants to go to Alabama, but is coming back to stay for four days at camp, so they might have a chance to get him back. But they're having a hard. If you look at it, Big C, they're having a hard time getting commitments from linemen. On both sides of the ball, and so and the way you win in football. What do you football, think the, you think ahead, the deal is ahead. on that? Is that's real interesting, man? What do you think the reason why that is? Well, I think their their main focus is Gus Malzahn and his offensive skill guys. When you have to build the team inside out, and that's why, in my opinion, I'm already hearing rumblings that he and Muschamp are button heads. I love it. Because you have to, you have to to win, Big C. Who cares about this hurry up, no huddle bullshit? I'm sorry, I just said that. But who? You still have to win inside out. And so, how did right. Ohio State win last year? They still won by running the football and being physical at the line of scrimmage and whipping the man in front of them on defense. That's what they did to Oregon. Oregon was too small. Right. They got mashed. And so that's the way you got to do it. I, you just brought up an interesting point there. I still think, I don't know, I, you know, I know a lot of the fans like to watch that garbage, you know, the hurry-up offense like what Oregon runs. But, you know, don't you think sooner or later that's going to phase on out, or what do you think on that? Well, of course. It, it'll phase out like the run-and-shoot, like the wishbone, and like anything else. Because pro football, I'm telling you this right now, I made a prediction to a friend today because Chip Kelly cut Evan Mathis, who has been a Pro Bowl guard and, you know, will end up – they tried to trade him. I don't think they could work it out. And He'll get a job, like Travis Ryer said, Dear Jacksonville Jaguars, please get on the phone in the next two hours. Thanks, 904. But, I mean, I think the bottom line is that Chip Kelly is going to go the way of Steve Spurrier, and he's going to end up back in college out, out in the hippie land. It was whatever Big Twelve, I mean Pac Twelve school opens up, he'll end up back there on the West Coast, and then he'll be yeah. out of the NFL. That stuff is not going to sustain itself. You have to be able to play football, and coaching come. Coaching is what's going to win. Not hurry up, no huddle garbage, where you try to tire out the other team, where coaching decisions don't play as big a factor. They're going to change the rules. They're going to add officials. And, again, everything is always figured out. It's just like back in 1990, in the early 90s, when the Bills went to the four Super Bowls, they did that, that no huddle. Nobody would seen a no huddle in the NFL, and everybody freaked out for a couple of years. But then they figured it out. They always figure it out. You have to go back to the principles of football, and that's the I-formation, pro-style offense, and pro-style defense. It, it always gets figured out, man. Trust me. That's why you still have to win games inside out. And this bull crap, what I've heard that – 
the Auburn staff has said, if we can get three stops a half on defense, we can win. Holy crap. Really? I don't think so. The only way you did it the first year is you had the biggest horseshoe up your backside that anybody ever saw. Okay? Last year, the horseshoe fell out of your rear end, and you lost five games. And now they're people picking you to win the national championship because, because Will Muschamp showed up. But guess what? Will Muschamp doesn't have enough talent yet. So you better hope that Jeremy Johnson is going to be a Heisman Trophy winner because if he's not, your butt's going to end up with five more losses and in another average season and Gus Malzahn selling all-state insurance with Stan White. So <laughs> I'm just saying. BC, we're, we're going off at 8.30 tonight, so we don't have any time for more questions. But I want to answer our earlier question of yours in, in pure CC Bama fashion. When you asked about what it would be like if Alabama got Ben Davis, Marvin Davidson, and Mac Wilson, what, what you asked what that would be like for Auburn, I, I know you remember Larry Munson, Big C, and his comment about the hobnail boot stepping on the throat. Well, if yeah. you take that hobnail boot, and you put a steel toe on it, and you heat that steel toe up, and then you kick somebody in the balls as hard as you can. That's what it'll be like for all of them when we get ball days. <laughs> if that happened, it would be it would be it would be as bad as, as Rashawn Evans. Oh, it'd be worse. Absolutely, it might be worse. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because his his dad did leave Auburn, so you're probably right, Kerry. You would have to say you would equate it to being worse. Because the only reason – let's not get it twisted. The only reason they hired his brother is to try to ensure that Marlon came to Auburn. Oh, there's no doubt. Period. No doubt. Well, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll text you later on about tomorrow morning. Don't have time to answer right now. We'll get ready to close it out. But uh, okay. I want to thank you for your call. And we want to thank, thank uh, John Garcia for joining us first hour. And uh, Drew, it's always good to have you, of course. And Thomas. So for Thomas Watts. Gary, uh, this outro is for you, by the way. What's that? <laughs> this outro, the outro is, is for is you. A, a well, I can't hear Gary Clark. Stop y'all later. Bye. All right. Hey, that was Clemson a year ago. Oh, hi. Okay. <laughs> well, now we're going to find the Beyonce Wilder Rock. Okay, so, for Rudy Arnold, and Bama Seven Plus Seven, Rolling Huntsville, for Thomas Watts, Touchdown Alabama Magazine, for John Garcia, for Colin D.C. McGuire, for Randy Owen and the boys from Fort Payne, I'm Kerry Clark, your co-host from BamaMag.com, Thank you for joining us on another edition of BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Good night, enjoy the NBA Finals, and roll tide, everybody. Why the young girls fall in love with the boys in the band When the boys turn to music, the girls just turn away To some other guitar picker in some other late night place Yeah, held on to my music, let the ladies